let me say happy Mother's Day. And uh, man, we're so glad to have so many mothers in this room. And I'm going to pray over you all just in a moment. Man, how awesome was it to see this stage filled with families and babies? Can we give them a hand? So fun little fact here at Harvest. Um, if, if you're new here, man, we're glad that you're here. And uh, my name is Johnny Pereira, by the way. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. But here's something you need to know about Harvest. Uh, we take seriously God's word. In particular, in this last year, be fruitful and multiply. And it, actually, I was curious, and I was like, man, how many babies have we had since the beginning of 2018? So would you like to know that? Would you like to know that? You'd be curious. Like all of you are like, I know I had a baby, but you have no idea who else may have. So since the beginning of 2018, this is a key phrase, to what we know today. <laughs> key word, to what we know today. From the beginning of 2018 to the end of this year, we will have had 30 babies <laughs> from harvest. We can praise God for that. Our nursery workers may not be clapping as hard, but, <laughs> but man, we're so thankful. I mean, God in his providence and sovereignty, praise God, we have a building, and you're not dropping your kids off in a cafeteria like you would have about a year ago right now. And so, man, we're so thankful. And, and we, I kind of say that jokingly, but man, that's such a precious thing. And, um, and so I just want to take a moment, and though I'm not going to ask you to stand, I know we have grandmothers here, I know we have mothers here, I know we have individuals that are pregnant that are here today, and, uh, and I just want to pray over you. But here's what I also want, to, want us to be sensitive about that I'm also going to pray for. I know we have individuals here that want nothing more than to be pregnant, and God hasn't uh, yet revealed that and, and, and manifested that in your life. And so I want to pray for you as well. I know we have individuals here that maybe lost their mom in the last year, and we want to pray uh, for those as well. And so uh, would you just pray with me as I pray out loud and let's pray for, let's pray for those individuals that really uh, go across that gamut this morning. So you pray with me as I pray out loud. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, we've had the opportunity as a church family just to recognize, Lord, that you are the giver of life. And Lord, a year ago, many of these children were not yet even here. But God, we thank you that in your sovereignty and your plan, Lord, you knew every single one of them. You knew when they would be born. You knew what day. You know what gender they would be. And Lord, you also knew, Lord, what time was your time for these parents up here to be gifted with that opportunity and responsibility. So God, I pray for the grandmothers and the mothers who have children now and the mothers that are expecting, Lord, that you would... Just encourage them to pursue you as their greatest treasure, knowing that they cannot give what they are not pursuing in and of themselves. Lord, I pray for the individuals that are here that lost a mom, a grandma in this last year. Lord, I pray that you would be with them today, as today may be a bit sorrowful. Lord, I pray for individuals in this room that maybe, Lord, this day does not carry great memories for them because they, didn't, they would say they didn't have a mom who really loved them. But God, I pray that they would be reminded of your love for them today. Lord, for individuals in here that are struggling with, uh, Lord, conceiving, 
God, I pray that you would encourage their heart today and encourage them in your love for them and, and your plan for them, that they would be reminded of that today and trust you with that. And so, God, I just thank you for the opportunity to celebrate mothers. They are a gift. God, I know I would not be standing up here today if it was not for a godly mother. And so, Lord, we, we, we recognize that, we acknowledge that, and, Lord, we pray that as your word is open today, that the grandmothers and the mothers and those expecting and those struggling today would be ready to receive what you have for them today. God, I pray that for every person in this room. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Well, we're, if you're new with us, we're in the second week of this series that we've entitled King of Hearts. And really, uh, what we are doing is we're walking through the book of 1 Kings, not the entire book, but the first 11 chapters. And we're looking at this man named Solomon. And if you've grown up in church, many of you would know that name. Many of you would know that, that really under King Solomon's rule, Israel flourished in a way that they have never had before and up to this point never have experienced again. And we know something about Solomon, that Solomon was given a request by God that Solomon, you can have anything that you want. And we're going to look at that here in a couple weeks. Solomon, you can have anything that you want. And we know that Solomon asked for wisdom. And Solomon was the wisest person, or better say, he had the most wisdom available to him to lead than any other person. Obviously, Jesus Christ being God in the flesh would, would obviously be the first in that category, but a fallen person had the most wisdom available to him that really has ever lived. And so we're looking at the rise of Solomon, how he pursues the Lord as his greatest treasure, but unfortunately... When we come to chapter 11, we see that as Solomon's heart started to wander, he started to experience the consequences of when the Lord was not the king of his heart. And so what we're looking at in this series are what are the blessings, what are the lessons that we can learn about the importance of making sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the king of our heart. And then as looking at, unfortunately, the decisions that Solomon made along his life the consequences that come into our life that we want to avoid when the Lord is not the king of our heart. And so that's really the aim of this series. And we looked at verses 1 through 10 last week in 1 Kings, really looking at six characteristics of jealousy. We dealt with the first three. Last week, we're going to deal with the last three today in chapter one. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, verses 11 through 52, that's where we're going to be this morning. If you're really awake, you're like, holy cow, that's a lot of verses to cover today. So we're not going to deal with every single verse. So there's going to be some storytelling and kind of summarizing some of the verses. We're a church here that likes to walk verse by verse, word by word. That's not going to be the case today, but we definitely are going to unpack God's word this morning nonetheless. And so if we're going to talk about the characteristics of jealousy, here's a definition that we gave last week that I want to give you again this week because you may not have been here. And it's this. Jealousy, we've defined it this way. A vengeful desire to pursue or protect what I view I deserve or possess out of fear that it might be taken away from me. That that's how we've defined desire. Keyword, a vengeful desire. That's how we define jealousy, a vengeful desire. Not a godly desire, but a vengeful desire to pursue, to go after something, or to protect 
something that we already have that I desire or possess that I am fearful will be taken away from me. Now, here's what we need to understand about jealousy. We dealt with this last week, and let me just say as a caveat, if you ever miss a week, you can check out, go online, you can watch our messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. So if you miss a week in this series, I encourage you to do so. But James 3.14 says this about jealousy. It says this, if you have bitter jealousy, think about our definition, and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. One of the things we mentioned last week is when we have jealousy ruling our heart, we look for every way to justify that feeling that way is right. And James says, don't boast, don't be false to the truth, don't deceive yourselves. This is not wisdom that comes from above, but look at how he describes it. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. Now, the message translates it this way, which I love. Message obviously isn't a literal translation, but it gets across the point in this verse. Listen to this. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish conniving. So what were the first three characteristics? Let me just go through them quick, and then we're going to jump into this passage of Scripture. Here's the first one that we covered in verses 1 through 5, looking at this individual Adonijah, who by birth order should have been the next in line to be king, but God chose otherwise. And in verse 5, Adonijah says, hey, it says, I'm going to say to myself, I will be king. Remember we talked about how the I will statements that we make really reveals our understanding of who God is. And so here was the first characteristic we mentioned. Jealousy makes false conclusions in your heart. Causes you to see things wrongly. Here's a second characteristic. It was found at the end of verse five and verse six. Jealousy formulates plans to pursue what it believes it deserves. Because Adonijah takes this statement, this false conclusion, I'm gonna be king, I deserve to be king, and he starts to put plans in motion so that that objective can be be achieved. And we said jealousy formulates plans to pursue what it believes it deserves. And then here's the third characteristic that we ended with last week and was found in verses seven through 10, because Adonijah creates a little party. Hey, I'm going to make some sacrifices because that's what you do to celebrate that one is king. And I'm going to invite everybody to this party, but I'm going to leave some certain individuals out. Number one, Nathan, who is David's prophet. Zadok, who was a close priest of David's. All of David's mighty men who are loyal to him. And I'm for sure going to leave out Solomon. He ain't coming to my party. And we saw the third characteristic, that jealousy seeks an audience to agree with its agenda. When jealousy is ruling our hearts, you know what our posture is? I want to find anybody who agrees with my perspe- jealous perspective and jealous agenda. And I'm not about to hear it from anyone who may tell me otherwise. So that leads us now to what we want to cover today. So look at verse 11. And I'm actually going to read through verse 21, though this fourth characteristic comes from verses 11 through verse 27. It says this, then Nathan, okay, so... Nathan doesn't get invited to the party. Bathsheba doesn't get invited to the party, who's Solomon's mother. King David doesn't get invited. I already mentioned who doesn't get invited to the party. So now what happens? Now we come to Nathan and Bathsheba's reaction to Adonijah's jealous agenda. It says, then Nathan said to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king? And 
David, our Lord, does not know. Remember, David is about to die. He's in his deathbed. Verse 12, now therefore come, let me give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. So Nathan is obviously concerned that Bathsheba is going to be killed and Solomon's going to be killed because obviously they're a threat to Adonijah taking the throne. Verse 13, he says to Bathsheba, go in at once to King David and say to him, do you not, my lord, the king, swear to your servant saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne. Why then is Adonijah king? Verse 14, then while you are still speaking with the king, I will come in after you and confirm your words. Now jump down to verse 19. Here's what literally is the dialogue that Bathsheba is having with David, and then Nathan's going to come in and affirm that. Look at what it says in verse 19. He, speaking of Adonijah, has sacrificed oxen and fattened cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army. But Solomon, your servant, he is not invited. And now, my lord, the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you to tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him. In verse 21, otherwise it will come to pass that when my lord, the king, sleeps with his fathers, in other words, when you die... Then I and my son Solomon will be counted offenders, and obviously the concern would be that they would die as well. Here's the fourth characteristic about jealousy. Jealousy produces division rather than unity in your relationships. So moms, you're here today, and even though this isn't, quote-unquote, a Mother's Day message, The reality is, is whatever passage of scripture we look at today, you can apply to your heart as moms. So my encouragement to you is, Lord, would you show me where I may be allowing jealousy to rule my heart? See, jealousy produces division rather than unity in your relationships. Do you see what Adonijah's actions are doing within his family? Not creating unity, but creating division. What's going to happen to me as a result of this selfish agenda? And here's what we need to understand. Jealousy never produces unity. Never. Because the unity jealousy seeks is surrounded around one's selfish agenda. And when one is operating with a selfish, jealous agenda, you're never going to experience unity in your relationships. The result will be division. See, true unity, what God desires you to have in your relationships, harmony in the home, harmony in your friendships, Harmony in a church body, harmony in the workplace, harmony with those that God's given you the responsibility to lead at work or to lead in the home or to lead on a leadership or whatever it may be. True unity is not surrounded around your selfish, jealous agenda. But what it's surrounded around is the desire, the shared desire to hear and to obey What the Lord has said, not what your selfishness craves. So think about your relationships right now. Are you experiencing division in them? Are are they kind of prickly? Are they experiencing 
distance in your marriage, distance in your home, distance in your friendships, distance maybe even in this church, distance with those that you work with. But you ought to ask yourself as Lord, am I allowing jealousy to be ruling my heart? Like wives, are you seeing your husband advance and you're like, man, I'm losing myself. And you're jealous of him because he's experiencing what you believe you're not or vice versa. Guys, you're seeing your wife advance, maybe her career, maybe her opportunities, and you're like, man, I'm losing myself. And jealousy has developed in your heart and actually it's against your spouse. It's creating division in your heart. Siblings jealous of one another because one is accomplishing something or getting something that you believe you deserve. What's happening, those je- that jealousy is creating division rather than unity in the relationships because you're after your selfish gender. We could go on and on in the workplace, in the home, in friendships. Why? Because jealousy creates division, not unity. Because jealousy is surrounded you, around you. Remember what Adonai just said in verse 5, I will be king. True unity is surrounded around the desire that we're going to hear and we're going to obey what our king says, not the selfishness that my flesh craves. Because the Lord clearly stated, we looked at this in 1 Chronicles 22 and 28, that God said Solomon is going to be the next king. That was not a mystery to Adonijah. It obviously was not a mystery to Nathan. It wasn't a mystery to Bathsheba. In fact, they go in and they remind King David to make this known again so that Adonijah does not continue with his jealousy and create division and create fear and create the anxiety that potential harm may be done to me. So we need to ask ourselves, where's their division? I mean, look to maybe jealousy as the reason. Here's a second, or the fifth, I should say, fifth characteristic of jealousy. It's found in verses 28 through 40. Look at what it says in verse 28. So here's what you need to understand. Bathsheba goes in, tells David that. Nathan goes in, affirms what Bathsheba has said, that this is what is going on. So look at King David's response. Verse 28 says, then King David answered, call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king, and the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, and as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throat in my place. Look at what David says. Even so will I do this day. Notice it's a different I will statement than Adonijah. David's I will statement is, I will obey what God has said. Adonijah's statement in verse 5 is, is I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, look at verse 39. So here's the result. So Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon, and they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. So there's this massive eruption of noise in praising that King Solomon is king. Now remember, Adonijah threw a little party to declare himself king, 
But now King David does what God has said, and they recognize Solomon as king. And if you remember what we said is prophets were the ones to anoint the next king. And notice Adonijah just intentionally doesn't invite Nathan to the party, but Nathan is obviously here to do what God has said to do the right way. Here's the fifth characteristic of jealousy. Jealousy strives to steal what is in God's authority to give. Jealousy strives to steal what is in God's authority to give. See, when my heart is being ruled by jealousy, my jealous decisions, what I want to see accomplished, regardless of what God is saying, what I want All of my decisions from that point when jealousy is ruling my heart will be rebellious in nature, not submissive to the Lord. I've seen that in my own life. The subtlety of jealousy ruling your heart. And what we oftentimes do is we say, yep, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. And then we pray to the Lord even sometimes. But really our prayers are with a desire that the Lord would tag along with what we want to do. Right? Like this is what I deserve. This is what I want. This is why I want it. Remember, these are my rights. Oh, and Lord, would you make this happen? But when jealousy is ruling my heart, no, 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 no. My decisions, my desires are jealous in nature, not submissive to what the Lord wants. And when jealousy is ruling my heart, get this, when jealousy is ruling my heart, I am operating like a counterfeit king. Because what I am doing is I am saying, I'm king. Oh, I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I got my ticket to heaven, and and I know that if I died today, I'd be with Jesus. But you know what? I'm going to go on my own right here. I want to be king. Verse 5 of 1 Kings 1. So when jealousy is ruling my heart, though this may not be the most pleasant thing to think about, and though we may not even want to admit it because jealousy deceives, really what we're living as is what we are saying is, I'm King Jesus, and you are not. I want to be king, and I wonder how many of us today, though maybe we didn't even realize it before I say this and we look at God's word today, are living as counterfeit kings and queens. Because we've taken a place that does not belong to us. We've climbed onto the throne of our hearts rather than saying, Lord, this is where the place that you should be. Just like Adonijah took what was not in his authority to get and went in opposition of what the Lord determined needed to happen. And here's what we need to understand about God's grace in our life. God will not allow his authority and his purposes to be thwarted by my rebellious desires or actions. He won't do it. God loves me too much. God will not allow his authorities and purpose to be thwarted by whatever actions that I do. And you see that in this passage of scripture, right? 
The Lord said, Solomon will be my next king. And it didn't matter what Adonijah did. It was going to happen because God purposed it. Here's what else we need to understand. The reason why this was such a dangerous play by Adonijah is because Adonijah was getting in the way about God's salvific plan for mankind. Because Jesus was promised to come through David and Solomon. And so God was not about to thwart his promise to David that out of David, God's kingdom would rule forever through Solomon. And it makes me ask myself, and I've had to ask myself this question this week, and I had to ask myself this question when I was going through this book in my quiet time last year, God, where am I allowing my selfish agenda to get in the way of your gospel agenda? Because the Lord had a plan, and it was more than who would just be the next king after David. It was a plan that affected Jesus' line. And I wonder this morning, where is my jealousy getting in the way of God's gospel agenda? Where is my jealous agenda creating division in my relationships that others would look on my actions in the workplace, in my home, in my marriage, in my friendships, and say literally that person says that they're a follower of Jesus Christ and they're acting that way? What is happening? Your jealousy ruling your heart is getting in the way of God's gospel agenda. See, jealousy strives to steal what is in God's authority to give. Here's the last characteristic, and it's found in verses 41 through 53, all of those verses. But I want to start in verse, jump down to verse 49, and look at Adonijah's posture. So can I just story tell a little bit what's happened here? So what's happened here is Solomon is obviously anointed king, everyone is cheering, everyone recognizes at King Solomon as king. Can you imagine? Here's this massive party that's done the right way, that's done according to God's plan, and everybody's there at the party praising and saying, yes, that's right, we remember what God has said. And then you got this little party over here that Adonijah's thrown for himself, and all of a sudden now, everybody's like, uh-oh, we're outnumbered. Our little audience to pursue a selfish agenda now all of a sudden is outnumbered by the masses that are going to do what God's going to say. And now look what happens. It says, then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose and each went to his own way. What do we say about jealousy as the fourth characteristic? Jealousy produces division rather than unity in your relationship. When you're trying to build unity around your selfish agenda, it is a house of cards just waiting to fall. And that's exactly what takes place here. So what does Adonijah do? Now all of a sudden, my party's been dismissed. My party's over. Verse 50. And Adonijah feared Solomon. Uh-oh. I got no one left with me. Now I'm the only one at my party. Everybody else has left. So he arose. Look at what he does. He arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Now, some of you are like, well, what is the significance of that? So he, let's, let's just unpack the significance. What do the horns of the altar mean? The horns of the altar was a place someone would go and grab 
for asylum. So you ever play tag growing up? Right? Didn't you, what did you always have when you were playing tag? You had a base. And if you were, if you were touching that base, you were safe. No one can get me out. And so that's really the principle, as silly as that sounds. The horns of the altar, someone would grab the horns of the altar, and if they were grabbing the horns of the altar, then you couldn't just go and deal with the consequences of what they did. You had to go through the proper channels, and they would grab those horns of the altar asking for forgiveness, to be free of the consequences of what they did, and that's exactly what Adonai just does it's the horns of the altar were the place that you would go to beg for mercy. Now look at verse 51. Then it was told Solomon, behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon, for behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar, saying, let King Solomon swear to me first, they will not put his servant to death with the sword. Now here's what we need to understand about Solomon. Solomon knew what was going on. He knew what was going on. Look at verse 52, look at Solomon's response. It says, and Solomon said, if he will show himself a worthy man, in other words, if he will acknowledge what he's done, not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth, but if wickedness is found in him, in other words, if he's still going, just playing games, he shall die. So, Sol so King Solomon sent and brought him down from the altar, and he, Adonijah, came and paid homage to King Solomon, and Solomon said to him, Go to your house. Here's the last characteristic of jealousy. Jealousy leaves you alone and void of what you hope to achieve. See, when we're allowing jealousy to rule our hearts and to drive everything that we do, we get deceived into thinking this. And it's such a deceptive thought. We get deceived into thinking this, that we can get, that we can achieve what will bring us joy by being disobedient to what God has said. Man, I could list for you things in my life where I went after something with the wrong motivation, thinking that I could still get the joy by being disobedient to what God has said. I'm sure every one of us could. And that's such a deceptive thought. Do you know how many times I meet with people and I literally out of love tell them that? You are allowing your selfishness, oftentimes jealousy, to drive you to get what God wants to give you and thinking that you can still get that by being disobedient to what he has said. And we see the consequences of Adonijah's jealousy is he's alone. Nobody's with him. And what he hoped to achieve, he doesn't have any way. Now here's a posture that we, or here's an idea that we haven't covered yet that I'm sure you've been asking yourself. What if I am the recipient of a jealous agenda? I'm sure some of you have been sitting there for the last, last week and this week saying, well, is he going to talk about what if jealousy has been done to me? What do I do with that, right? You're like, I don't struggle with jealousy, but I can sure point out someone else who struggles with jealousy, and I'm the recipient of their jealous agenda. Don't raise your hand. But you're like, is Johnny going to talk about that? 
Well, look at what we find here. Look at Solomon's response to Adonijah. Like his mom was threatened to die. He was, he was being threatened to die. But look at his response in verse 52. He says, hey, if he's willing to repent, I'll spare his life. See, humility is always the proper response to jealousy. Always. Always. I think of 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he will exalt you in due time. But it takes humility. See, Solomon knew what God had said. David knew what God had said. Bathsheba and Nathan just were like, we need to remind King David of what, he is, what God has said. But I love that in Solomon's response, we're given a lesson. How do we respond to jealousy? With humility. Knowing that God's purposes in my life will not be thwarted by the selfish agenda of others. So as we close this morning, here's what I want to ask of you and ask you to ask yourself. How are you going to deal with your heart of jealousy if that's you this morning? How do you deal with that? Because I think Hebrews 4 gives us the answer. Hebrews 4 verses 15 and 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let me just stop there. We look at Jesus' life. We spent six weeks up to Easter looking at his last week of his life. We think about how Jesus responded. He's sitting there in that garden, praying, submitting to the will of the Father, rather than saying, no, 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 Lord, I don't want this. I'm going after this my way. No, 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 no selfish agenda. But he knows what it's like to be in the garden, flat on your face, pouring out your heart before God, and saying, Lord, I'm gonna submit to your way and not my own. He knows what that's like. He knows what it's like to submit to God's agenda. But look at what it says in verse 16. So because we have Jesus, who's given us the example, what's our response? Let us then with confidence, here's the key idea with confidence. It literally means to come with freedom to the throne of grace in the authority of Christ. That I'm coming with confidence. I'm coming with freedom, Lord, knowing that because of Jesus Christ, because of my faith and trust in him as my Lord and Savior, not in the good that I could hope to ever achieve, but that I'm a sinner. Jesus Christ was my sacrifice for my sins. I put my trust in him. God, I'm coming to you with confidence, with freedom, knowing that I can experience grace, not through my authority, not through my agenda, not through my selfishness, not through my jealousy, but through your authority. You are my high priest, verse 15. Now look, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And when we draw near to the throne of grace, just like Adonijah drew near, asking for mercy from Solomon, and Solomon being a fallen man like you and me, Jesus Christ being the perfect king. What does that perfect king promise? That we may receive mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. Do you know what the Lord wants you to do right now? If jealousy has been ruling in your heart, He wants you to take it to Him. He wants you to call it for what it is. He wants you to say, Lord, I'm actually going to name what I have been sinful of and what I've been struggling with and what someone else has done to me where I believe that your will is not as good as my will or whatever it is. God, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to take it to you. Because when I'm honest, when I come with confidence, when I come with freedom, knowing that I'll receive grace because of the authority of Jesus Christ, what will happen? I will receive what? Mercy and find grace to help, to help that sinful desire. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I just wanna give you a moment just to talk with the Lord, to go to that throne of grace, to ask for mercy and help, knowing that our gracious King will give it. Maybe you need to say, Lord, forgive me of this jealousy that has been ruling my heart. I came in not even thinking that this was an issue, but your Holy Spirit has shown me that it is. God, I'm actually gonna say it out loud what I'm struggling with. The anger, the hate, the bitterness, the frustration, the disappointment. So that I can receive the help that you desire to give me. Let's do business with God right now.